Hi, and welcome back to Recovery His Way on the campus of the His Way Recovery Center in Huntsville, Alabama. I'm Stuart Whiting, sitting down once again with our director, Tom Reynolds. Good afternoon, Tom. Good afternoon, Stuart. Good yeah, good, yeah, good to see you. Good to sit down again today. We're uh, continuing in uh, a series on ethics. Mm -hmm. And obviously something that is important to every person, certainly every Christian, and we're trying to be thoughtful about that as we uh, attempt to deliver this ministry of a Christ-centered recovery. Right. And I know the, uh, it's, it's really great teaching, and let me see if I can kind of recap where we are um, in, in what you've laid out, that we, you know, all people kind of begin with this ethic, the way we interact with others, right. I guess, right. at the core of what an ethic right. is in a very reactive way. And I'm going to do unto you as you have done to me. Right. And right. Um, so much of, of our life is lived out trying to uh, justify how we, you know, our bad behaviors towards right. other because, right. well, look what well, they did to me. Right. And, and I mean, we have shows and TV, television shows and social media is right. all, all about that. Right. But the golden rule comes into that general rule. And, and so many people are familiar with that and, and say, no, we should do unto others as we would like them to do to right. us. Exactly. And, um, and, and that's, that's a great thing to strive for. Mm -hmm. But what you've, what you've really uh, trying to bring to the table here is there's a deeper ethic that Christ moves us into, the gospel ethic, which says we want to do unto others as God, as Christ has done for us. Right. right. And so is that kind of where we're going then, here? Right. And then really this ethic then becomes about we're looking, okay, what has Christ done for right. us? Right. And then how do I interact with others on that basis? I think that's really where the ethic flows from. It's the asking the question, you know, how has God treated me and how does that then define how I treat those around me? Yeah, and I love how you've, uh, so the, the couple of weeks that we've spent were the first, I guess, uh, looking at the life of Christ, the first uh, event that that starts to expose an ethic right. is the incarnation. Right. And, um, and and I really, really appreciate about that is that you're not just looking at teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, and that's important too, but... Uh, he is the ethic. Christ is the ethic. Right. His story is the ethic. Right. Right. And so uh, looking at that, and, and so tell us about a little bit about the incarnation ethic part of the gospel ethic. Right. Well, I mean, I think, you know, in terms of, I call it the Christmas ethic, but, um, oh, that's right. you know, in terms of... The C's, I should have remembered. <laughs> um, but I think that the idea is that, you know, you're asking the question, okay, how does God, how does God interact with us? And so the initial interaction, obviously, he sends his son. So... The, the incarnation becomes the first emphasis of that. And of course, the scripture we have is, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Right. So it's a love, it's an ethic driven by love, motivated by love, looking out for the best interest of others. And then it's about giving. The love gives, right? right? So that becomes fundamental. Looks for ways to give. Right, right, right. It's not just, again, reactive. When do I have to give? Right. When it really looks Yeah, I always love that, that, that phrase. Oh, he'd give the shirt off his back to anyone. It's like, but is he looking for... Ways to go do that, or is it just waiting for someone to knock on my door? Right, 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 right. Yeah, and then and then kind of a part of that too. In Philippians, it talks about how when Jesus does come, he comes in humility. Mm -hmm. So really, seeing humility is a part of that ethic too, where I come and I lower myself, I submit myself, I give myself. I don't just give from this high and lofty place down to those who are needy, yeah. but I enter their need and I become a part of that and humble myself in that sense in terms of seeing how um, our ethics operate. So in recovery, for instance, therefore, I engage people motivated by love. And I think that's interesting because a lot of guys react and say, you know, 
what's up with you guys? You seem to want to help us and do all this, but what's in it for you? Yeah. You know, that's always kind of the first reaction we get from people that are suspicious because people don't do things like this unless there's going to be some um, something they're going to get out of it. So helping them discover love mm. and and giving and then see that motivation. And one of the beauties that know we've talked about before is when you see a guy really grasp that, yeah. he begins to give his shirt off his back, yeah, you know, right. for other people. Um, and that's something typically hadn't been doing. He'd been trying to extract as many shirts as he could out of the world. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, that gets reversed very quickly in people's lives. And you begin to see this gospel message really and this gospel ethic really beginning to transform the thinking and the attitudes as they encounter. Yeah. Um, and so we move from the Christmas ethic to the cross ethic. Correct. And so walk us through that. Briefly. Well, I mean, the cross ethic is about sacrifice. It's about giving again. It's, it kind of flows out of giving. It's about sacrifice. It's also one of the other things I talk about is accountability. Right. That the cross says that um, there's an accounting for things. That when I sin, there's a price to be paid. Mm -hmm. And, of course, through the Old Testament, it's a price of sacrifices and that kind of thing. But obviously we learn there that you know to obey is better than sacrifice. Ultimately, the sacrifice, while it serves a purpose, isn't the ultimate purpose and that what Jesus does on the cross kind of brings that ultimate fulfillment. And so, um, but it's accountability. You know, Jesus came and had to die for something. Right. And the fact that there's an ownership I have that, you know, I think so many times we don't think of the price of sin. Um, and that that price um, is constantly paid. I mean, it's not even just that um, Jesus paid it obviously on the cross. But, our, you know, we still suffer those Sins of others. Yeah, I like how you put that. Uh, the previous episode talking about that in a re any relationship, you have to bear each other's consequences right, right. of our, or the accountability of that, because otherwise you just would not. We'd have right. no relationships, right, right. and uh, and and no going in that that's a part of it. And uh, this idea, then you're back to well, well, look how they harmed me, and I'm gonna okay. We're we're back right. to regressing into the right. general rule. I mean, you think about you know, love bears all things, mm -hmm. right? Um, Love um, covers a multitude of sins. Yeah. You know, that kind of principle, I think, really falls here. So accountability, sacrifice, obviously, in the cross um, is critical yeah. to that principle as well. The other one's forgiveness. Forgiveness, of course. Yeah, it's almost something we take for granted, right. but also difficult. Right, but I mean, I think, again, as, as we were talking about, forgiveness is costly. It's not just a matter of kind of, letting somebody off the hook. It's realizing that their sin, I'm willing to bear the consequences yeah. of that sin. And I, I still value our relationship more than I do the harm. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to, uh, you know, absorb that harm for the sake of our relationship at some point. So and that's all a part of the process of what happens with the cross. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting how we can, um, you know, we can have, I guess, thinking in our culture and social media and stuff and, and how you know we want to be free of judgment and and all these things, and yet at the end of the day, you know that always comes back in. We always are you know separating and dividing, and 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 this ethic kind of cuts through that and right. says what is most important is the relationship and right. and building each other up right. and doing what is best for someone else uh, because you are trying to treat them as you have been treated by God. You know, one of the things that our founder Clyde would always emphasize to me was that the relationship and being united and connected to people out of love was far more important than anything else. Yeah. So 
you know, if he got burned on something, if something he mistreated, whatever, and there could be flat wrong, it's like ultimately he would say, well, love's going to win. Love's the most important thing. And, our, and being connected with them and related to them is way more important than any of those things. Yeah, yeah. And it's not something valued in our culture. And it's no, it's no wonder that Christ says that the love you have for one another is going to be the most important hallmark, right. carrying calling card of of people seeing that something is unique and different. And we heard it again at graduation a couple of days ago, multiple graduates mentioning this love and sacrifice for each other and and the feeling of this, you know, relationship that is says speaks so much more, you know, than than what we could ever say in a class or right. Right. just what we want to have for them. They actually experience it. Right. So we're moving into a third aspect of the gospel right. ethic today. Right. What is that? Well, um, celebration. Keep my gotta have the C's. Christmas right. um, celebration. But it's about resurrection. I mean, one of the obviously the ultimate um, message of Christianity is that there's a resurrection. Mm. that Jesus conquered death. Um, I mean, that's what sets Christianity apart from any other religion is the fact that our bounder is still alive, right? That he right. Um, went to a cross and died for our sins and that up from the grave he arose. And so um, I think that's a, a key part of the, obviously the Christian message is that it's ultimately a message of victory. It's a message of hope. It's a message of conquest and and deliverance and those kind of things. And so I think, that becomes an important part of the ethic as well as uh, is this idea that even within the context of um, uh, addiction, that there's hope, yeah. that there's this resurrection, that there's this new life, that there's a opportunity and possibility that the old can be gone and new can happen, and that all that is, and so it's a fundamental optimism. It's a belief that um, no matter how bad things have been or how dark they've been, there's a brightness, there's a light, there's a there's a, a new beginning. And so really emphasizing that in terms of the culture. And I thought in a lot of situations with um, in addiction, there's kind of a, in recovery things, I've seen a lot of negativity, mm -hmm. um, a lot of kind of downer, you've really screwed up, you're no good, you'll never make it, you know, that kind of thing. That's not Christianity. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and the message of the cross and the message of the empty tomb is the fact that no matter how bad it's gotten, that there's hope, that there's a that there's a win here. Yeah, I wonder. I've I've picked up a little bit um, having been around, you know, recovery for six years or so now. That there's at times you can get this sense that there's almost this pride and joy in kind of wallowing in, you know, in in the past failures, right, and right. Uh, maybe that's a way of trying to cope and self-medicate almost, you know, in, in a therapeutic way. and But it, there, it doesn't get you anywhere um, to, to stay there. I'm thinking of one individual in particular who the first couple of weeks um, he was here, I heard him just, every time I heard him talking to someone else, it was about, you know, his, what he was like and what, you know, he kind of just, and, and not bragging on it, but just like being fully defined by that. And it was all very negative and, you know, his time on the streets and his time in prison. And then a month or so later, it seemed like all of a sudden, you know, that wasn't something he was defining himself by. And it was right. positive. He became a Christian while he was here. And, you know, he's doing really great. And um, and and so to, to I, I don't know if we talk enough, and I don't mean us his way, but us as Christians, Christianity talks enough about 
the resurrection. Right. About just, you said it right in your opening, that it's the thing that defines right. Christianity is right. most important, as Paul would say. If Christ didn't rise from the dead, what, what are you doing? Right. What are right. you doing? Do you think we talk about it enough in our, no, in our no. Christian and, culture? And not only do we not talk about it enough, we don't live it enough. Mm-hmm. We don't live with that sense. And let me kind of explain what I'm talking about here with this ethic. So there's three points that I make about this as well. One of them is victory. Um, that, you know, the resurrection ultimately declares that sin is defeated, mm-hmm. that death is defeated, that death no longer has a grip, and that Jesus conquers um, that, and that we have a victory through Christ. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as Paul says, you know, death wears your sting, death wears your victory, you know, that has no power anymore, but that our victory is now, thankfully to God, who gives victory through Jesus Christ. And so, um, it's a victorious message. It's a message in which we are more than conquerors. I mean, think about that. We're more yep. than conquerors. I mean, this Sunday, either the Philadelphia Eagles or the Kansas City Chiefs will be a conqueror, right? But the next day, they have to start back at square one and figure out how they're going to conquer again, right? Yep. Um, and that's the constant plight of a conqueror. I mean, as soon as you, you're the you're the heavyweight champion of the world, there's another there's another guy out there that wants to knock you off, right? It's the king of the mountain kind of thing. Um, and in Christ, we're more than conquerors. We don't have to keep fighting every day to prove that we are a victor anymore. We don't have to keep fighting to show that we have won. We are, we have won. We are victorious. And so embracing being in Christ is about embracing that I am, I am victorious. I've won. I am winning. I've won. I will always win. This battle. Yeah, I like the way you're using the verb tenses there because I do think when we often when we talk about resurrection, when it does come up, it tends to be your know, last day resurrection. Right. We're gonna, there's gonna, there, I'm, I'm just kind of biding my time, waiting, and then one day I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, Christ is gonna return, or I'm gonna die, and we're gonna finally be transported to the, you know, to the ethereal place where everything is different. It's like that's just, you know, it's that's quite foreign to the New Testament because. Right. The victory is now, right? And 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 you're to be living into that resurrection life today. Right. You've been your your transformation has begun, right? Uh, right. Which is I know difficult because that's a faith statement, and mm-hmm. it's not something I can you know see on my skin and and, right. and necessarily right. always uh, you know just I, it's not tactile, right. and yet it's 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 not something we're just waiting to happen right. to us either. You know, think about this. I try to emphasize this with the guys when you when you're winning. You behave differently than mm-hmm. when you're losing. Mm-hmm. Um, in sports, um, you know, which team is trying to extend the game? The winning team or the losing team? You know, um, you know, the losers are always running out of bounds, calling timeout, trying to stop the clock with so many tenths of a second left to get one more chance, one more Hail Mary, whenever, right? Spiking the ball, all that kind of stuff. Because they're losing, they want to extend the game. Winners don't do that. They're ready for the time to speed up. They want the game to be over. And I guess the question I raise is, when you look at how we live, do we live like we're always calling timeout, trying to extend the game? Are we looking forward to the end of the game because we've already won, we know we've won, and we're looking forward to the the Gatorade bath and the celebration? Um, And I've prayed that too many times as Christians, we live like we're losing instead of living like we're winning. Yeah. And I think that... Whether it's extending life, trying to stretch it out a little bit further, whatever it is, yeah. um, it's about living victoriously and believing that we have already won. And so we don't live in panic. We don't live in fear. We don't live uh, with constantly trying to call timeout and run out of bounds. We're living with this sense of 
conquest and victory and yeah. confidence. You remind me of a passage in Hebrews that says that, you know, because we are flesh and blood, Christ put this on mm-hmm. and he, he became human to conquer death, the thing that had us uh, enslaved, right. fear, the, the ultimate thing that we're afraid of. And by knowing that that is already, that's no longer a problem for us. Right then, boy, the freedom that that is to bring and not living in fear of death. And that is the motivator for almost everything. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid of dying. Therefore, you know, I I, I need more security. I need need more comfort. I need better health. I need all these things because uh, what's going to happen when I die? And and so the message does cut through that and uh, is to change us. Yeah, for sure. And for instance, things like, I mean, when when our guys here really grasp that it, that they that they are more than conquerors Christ, that they've already won in Jesus Christ. Then when they go to court, yeah, they're not wondering whether they're going to win or lose the court case. They've already won. Yeah. Um, and whether they get the best result or the worst result, that doesn't that doesn't change the fact that they've already won in Christ. Yeah. And when you take that pressure off of everything, how much better do you not engage those things with confidence and assurance? Because the judge isn't going to do anything to me that God hasn't already done and can do and overcome and all those kind of things. So there's nothing out there I need to be intimidated by, I need to be fearful about, I need to be wringing my hands over. There's nothing the doctor's going to tell me that's going to take away the fact that I'm already victorious, I've already won. Yeah, of course, we have a couple staff members at this very moment who are going through um, extended legal issues where they they just expressed that through their transformation and recovery and becoming Christians. They just... Say, you know, I, I wanted to go a certain way, of course, right. but I have this, you know, thing that, and I, because of the consequences of things I've done, and man, to hear their their faith just come out and right. say, but you know, it's going to be okay, right. whatever whatever happens, right. and um, yeah, and that's got to just change your, you know, we're we're not just, um, you know, ideas running around on a stick. Your whole body, you know, your 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 physical mm-hmm. um, well being and all that just got to be tied up together in. In this completely different right. state of mind, right, right, yeah, it's how right. important exactly. That is. So, and and so, this celebration ethics, you know, has victory obviously embedded in, and it also has. And one of the things Paul says in Ephesians one, as he prays for the Christians mm-hmm. in Ephesus, he says ultimately that I will, I pray also that your hearts will be enlightened, that you'll realize the riches of his inheritance and the saints, and that you'll grasp the full power. That, um, that he has made available to us, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, again, a living thing. It's an active right. thing. It's Today. not just something right, yeah. in the future. That I can live with a, the power that raised Jesus from the dead already existent in me. And that I engage the world with that sense of power. And so that's, I think, another sense of that celebration that um, greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. Mm-hmm. So... But there's nothing the world's going to bring at me that I don't already have a power greater in me that can deal with that particular circumstance. Yeah, you know, you said earlier that uh, what sets Christianity apart is the fact that our leader um, has has conquered death and raised again. But then this is that other surprising follow-up in that same power is in us. Right. I mean, that's just right. that's scandalous almost, right, you right, know. Right. And, and it's really so hard. It's as hard as it is to grasp and that— God, that God comes in, in the form of man and fully human and fully divine, but now being saying that we can participate in the divine nature 
um, is is mind mind blowing. Right. Totally. And one of the my favorite passages that I like to share with the guys that you know really gets me excited. I think it's them excited. Is in Romans eight eleven, mm-hmm. where when Paul talks there about that um, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now resides in you. Complete so therefore, therefore the implication is that the same thing that allowed Jesus to rise from the dead is within us that will allow us to do the very same thing. Right. And um, and so so that resurrection, our resurrection isn't a moral question. And I think, you know, so many times I talk to people like, well, are you going to rise from that? Are you going to heaven? Those kind of questions. Well, um, hopefully I've been good enough. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, I've lived a good life. You know, I mean, I remember a long time ago, I had a friend and I asked them that question straight up and they said, well, we hope so. We hope that, you know, we've lived a good life, that we paid our taxes, that we've been good citizens and that kind of thing. Uh, they said, you know, what about you? What do you think? I said, absolutely. And they go, well, you're better than us. What do you think? You're, you, know, you paid all your taxes. You got, you know, I was like, I said, no, the fact that God's spirit resides in me, it's not a moral question. It's almost a physics question. Yeah. It's like that if God, if, for instance, real simply, if God were a magnet and he's placed metal in me, when that magnet goes off, I'm going to go. I don't yeah. have a choice. Yeah. It happens. Right, right. And so if the Spirit's like that, then the same thing is true. Yeah. And if Jesus, if that's the reason Jesus rose from the dead. That's the reason I can rise from the dead. So, I think yeah, I think we've talked for too long in Christian circles, that, that kind of way of thinking where you're really just going back to some balancing of the scales. And, right. and it's the very... It's the very mindset and, you know, being defined by law-keeping that right. Jesus had right. came to destroy and Paul, or to fulfill and destroy. Right. And Paul says, don't go rebuilding for yourself another measuring stick. You know, that's right. that's been taken away. Right. Uh, praise be to God that it's been taken right. away because right. we're all going to fall short right. in that measuring stick. Can you also talk about, I know, in, in this idea about uh, hope and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you're thinking about— uh, you know, some of that just comes right out of this, right? right? That that the hope we have, right? I mean, you know, um, Peter will say that you know because of this we have a living hope, we living, have yeah, active, living, vibrant, again, current, current. Yeah. It's not just a by and by. You know, um, the biblical idea of hope isn't you know wishful thinking. It's typically you know I hope my team wins on Sunday. You know, yeah. it's um, a confident expectation. It's an anticipation of and a belief of something that is already. Since happens, it's already something fully realized it yet, right? And so, um, yeah, so I think that's another part of resurrection is that you live hopeful, you live optimistically, you live with a with an active sense of anticipation of something good. Um, doesn't mean that everything is good, you know, it's kind of like in Romans 8, right? Not everything is going to happen to me is good, however, everything that's going to happen to me can be can accomplish good, it can accomplish good things because all things work together for the good, yeah, to those who love God and conquer's purpose. So um, everything I embrace, ultimately, I believe, is for the good. I don't understand it at the time. I may not comprehend it, but I embrace it because of faith. I embrace it as a good. I embrace it as a positive, as something that's going to fulfill some kind of um, positive expectation in the future. So, I mean, I think that's really important um, in a culture, obviously, that is so negative and so dark and so cynical. Yeah. Um, to be a person who lived victoriously and powerfully and hopefully, yeah. and you engage life with that sense of celebration every single day, you stand out as a light. You stand out uh, as a bright, shining contrast to the darkness of the world in which we live. And so I think that's how we proclaim the gospel. Yeah. Uh, it's not always just about preaching 
the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus at people. Right. It's about living so contrary to the culture, to the media, to um, my neighbors, sometimes to my family members. Um, you know, I didn't grow up in a particularly optimistic family. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up in a family that was pretty dour about things, you know, kind of, you know, um, not particularly optimistic, um, kind of hand-wringing, worried, anxious. Yeah. Um, but I find myself not that way. But, I mean, it's 40 years of a belief system that I've tried to allow, retrain myself mm-hmm. um, to engage life optimistically and positively because of the resurrection. And, and I really want our guys to grasp that same idea. And, and obviously that's identity transforming, um, which is at the core of this whole um, transformation process is really changing one's identity from, from yep. loser to winner, from um, conquered to conqueror. And those kind of things. And I think that's a key part of this process. I think in a lot of cases, um, the message you were mentioning earlier, the message within um, recovery circles even is, well, you're just an addict. You'll always be an addict. And that's kind of the way it is. You know, you got to kind of make the best of your situation. It's at the heart of your identity. Right, right, right. And I understand some of the things are being said there. Um, I don't think you want to lose the sense that you have a vulnerability and that you need to stay humble to that and and aware. But I think at the same time, living in that constant negativity, you know, just kind of continues to set me up for failure after failure after failure, and I don't think that's the gospel. Yeah, Paul, it seems like when he's writing the Times, he's like, hey, such were some of you. Right. right. But he's calling them to to, to move in through victory and power and hope into into something that's quite different. You know, um, talking about the difference between just like, talking about the resurrection and living it out, and that is an important distinction. You know, we get to witness that in, in, in Acts, don't we, with the, the, this disciple group who were so certain they understood what Messiah was about until the, what really was happening with Jesus um, was being played out right. there in the scenes in Passover, and, and they, they basically leave. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, think of the, the road to Emmaus and the two who were like, man, if you only knew the terrible things that have happened, and Jesus is like, well, tell me about them, which I think is so funny. Right, right, right. But, it, you know, they they have that, that that haunting kind of statement. We had hoped right. this is going to be the one. Life hasn't turned out like we thought. Right. But then when it's exposed, when, when Jesus opens up their eyes, um, and when the other disciples and the apostles see the truth of the resurrection, mm-hmm. well, look at who they become. Right, right. Look at what they're willing to right. completely right. be right. and do um, because— you know what? Who am I going to be defeated by? Right. You know what else? What what possible you know difficulty can what I not be right. overcome? What an amazing transformation! I mean, Peter, who denies he even knows Jesus yes. in front of servant girls, out of fear that they're going to spread a message to somebody and he could end up swept up in this thing with Jesus. I mean, weeks later, is standing for the very people who executed Jesus and charging them with yeah. the responsibility of having killed the Messiah that has risen from the dead. The, the reason why he can do that is because there's a, the only thing that stands in between those two things is a resurrection. And uh, that's the transformative power of Peter and all the apostles yeah. who, you know, go from cowering in an upper room to boldly proclaiming the message in at the city square and at the temple courts. Yeah, and they suffer. Right. Huh? No doubt about it. Right. Yeah. And, and, and yet, gladly suffer. And gladly suffer. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and so we still, uh, maybe there's a question for us lingering that if we're afraid to suffer, perhaps we're still really afraid of death. Mm-hmm. 
and perhaps we haven't really <laughs> taken to heart the truth of the resurrection celebration right, right. Uh, truth that uh, Jesus brought to free us right. from, from those things. Right. Yeah, so um, this has been a really great, um, I think, deep dive into how the life of Christ reveals how God dealt with us right. and, and the kind of ethic he's leaving behind that we can bring not only to our relationship with God, and, and which thanks be to Christ Jesus that we have that relationship, but as importantly, how we, how we are with one another. Right. And, um, and there's no, no doubt in my mind, I was having this discussion with family members recently, that, you know, unfortunately, the more we can communicate and get the world's information at our fingertips, it's hard to be optimistic, right? When you look at the big scale, well, the world's kind of always been you know, on that level, right. um, even though we, we fool ourselves into, into thinking that there was better times before. Right. Um, and, and so our challenge, though, is going to be, you know, how do we bring the truth of the resurrection in our lives into our communities? And when we do, it'll, it'll draw people, right. <laughs> absolutely right. draw right. people. Right. Right. And uh, I think we're, we're looking for other solutions than the one that crisis says, he lift me up. Right. I'll draw. I'll draw them into that's right. That's right. And, and we get to see it here firsthand. And it's right. a beautiful thing when, right. when it comes and, and it, you just uh, these these guys just uh, learning about grace and love and hope that it wasn't really available maybe in their life before that. Right. So right. it's a great thing to be part of. Yeah, yeah I'm excited. You know, this um, in a couple of days um, over in Atlanta, they're going to um, have a couple of guys. Um, one who came into our program absolutely. Um, antagonistic toward Christ, who's going to put on Christ the baptism after one year of living in this community. Yeah. And uh, as well as another guy, too, and they're both going to um, go over to somebody's pool and have a big celebration and, you know, grill out and just really have this party and over the, the the son that had wandered away who has now been found. Right. And now celebrate a victory. Right. The conquerors. Right. Well, appreciate the conversation today. So uh, Enjoy. Now, yeah, all the time. And thank you for uh, joining us, listening in and watching us. If you have any questions about His Way, you can check us out on the website at hiswayinc.org.